0: Little do you know, our lips can carry as much personality as our very own personalities. And nobody appreciates the personality of lips more than Jeremy Biggers, also known as Stem and Thorn, And that's exactly who we're talking about today on this episode of The Cultured Podcast. Welcome to The Cultured Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Corey, and together we'll journey into the unknown reaches of the art world. It is the highlight of my week to be here with you and share this space about arts and culture and everything in between. This week, we have a beautiful interview with none other than Jeremy Biggers, also known as Stem and Thorn. He is a painter, an incredible painter. He is a photographer. He is a cinematographer. He makes music videos. He has a clothing line. His wife is this incredible rapper and singer. They're kind of a power couple in Dallas. I'm not going to blow it for you, but it's a really fun interview, and I think you're going to enjoy it. But first, what is my inspiration this week? Well, see, this week, my inspiration is acceptance. I uh, work on this a lot (laughs) as somebody who has natural tendencies to want to, I don't know, like say control things. A need for control is something that is built into my bones. And I work to unravel that every single day of my life. Every time I sit down to a meditation, every time I'm doing business, even just having a company requires that you control to some degree. But also what I have learned in my life is that this idea of control is totally non-existent. There is no such thing as control. So the more that we try to grasp at things and control them, the more those things are gonna laugh in our faces, right? So, the universe likes to show us time and again that if we wanna pretend like everything is within our control, it'll throw us a curveball and humble us right then and there. So, I like to always, like all these situations, anytime there's a curveball coming my way and it feels like things are out of control, I find that the more I submit to those moments and those instances, the better and smoother the outcome. It's pretty amazing, right? Because if you actually think about what this universe is made of, it's made of chaos. It's made of both chaos and control. And there is this sort of elegance and this beautiful orchestration that comes from what seems like absolute random chaos. So not that I want my life to feel like absolute random chaos every day, but frankly, it is. Everybody's life is absolute random chaos. So yeah, I like to submit to it. I've been learning more and more to let go, to let everything unfold as it's meant to. And for me, rather than aiming for control, I just aim to put my best foot forward and do the best that I can every single day. And that is my contribution. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's it. That's what's inspiring me. I'm wondering, I'm sure there's a lot of you out there who struggle with, you know, wanting to have control over things. So hopefully this helped ease your mind a little bit. And now it's time to talk to Jeremy Biggers. Let's go. Hello, Jeremy. Welcome to the Cultured Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit about who you are and what your art forms are.
1: Uh, My name is Jeremy Biggers. I'm a creative in Dallas, Texas, I do work primarily in painting, uh, realism, specifically portraits and photography, cinematography. Went to school for design. So I'm I'm all over the place creatively. So yeah, that's that's what I do. You really are. So which one came first? Um I've been drawing my whole life, so I got into painting when I was in high school. I went to an art high school, so once I got into painting and realized I could knock out an image relatively quicker than drawing like because i was just straight graphite on paper just pencil and paper um guy so to see that i can do that a lot quicker with paint even that became kind of tedious and i was like okay well i need to be able to make images even faster than that and so (laughs) i think that's what got me into photography as well as just needing to be able to shoot my own reference images and not waste my days trying to find the perfect image searching google all day
0: Oh, wow. You don't even think about that. Of course, that's such a tool for a painter, especially hyper-realism, you know?
1: Right. Absolutely. And back then, it definitely wasn't Google. It was like GeoCities or Angel Fire or whatever we were searching (laughs) stuff on back then.
0: Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. So you started painting, which was a faster process for you. First, describe your style.
1: Um, My style, so I, I have multiple uh, things that I do. So a lot of the work is dealing with who I am as a biracial person and feeling like multiple people at the same time. So who you are at home isn't who you are at work or uh, who you are with your parents isn't who you are with your friends. But then I started painting lips because I just needed to to sell paintings. And I was like, okay, not everybody wants a painting of someone they don't know in their home. So what can I do that's still portraiture, but not necessarily so specific that it's, oh yeah, that's Frank from up the street.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So that was the beginning of the lips.
1: Right. Right. And so once I started doing that, I like, everybody's always like, well, tell me the story. Like, how'd you get into painting lips? And what's the, you know, the underlying theme about those? And, you know, they want some long drawn out artistic, like, you know, this is about the existential plight of man. Like it's nothing (laughs) of that. It's, it's. I painted one, it sold. <laughs> I painted another one to replace that one, it sold. And then I just haven't stopped since. So I just keep painting them because they keep selling.
0: I don't know. I feel like Freud would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so you've already achieved, you know, building a business for yourself. Right. And it seems like you're really good at continuing to build on that empire in that business Mm -hmm. um, by adding more creative endeavors. Mm -hmm. So that's already a huge accomplishment to be able to align passion with purpose with bank account. So tell us about this business that you're building now, Stem and Thorn.
1: I worked with some friends of mine doing a clothing line. It ended up getting wildly popular where we were shipping like overseas and crazy numbers in terms of just content and and pushing out merchandise. So that got pretty crazy. So we all came together as a group of creatives that were doing our own things individually. We came together to just say, okay, well, let's just release these designs that we're working on individually. Let's just release them under one umbrella name. Uh, So we did that for a few years. And then I think everybody got to the point where they weren't fulfilled creatively. So everyone went their own separate ways. And then that's when Stim and Thorne was born because events that we would do, I was doing all the legwork. And so I was like, well, you guys want to show up to the parties. Y'all want to show up to Mm -mm. the quote unquote fun stuff, but then you don't want to do all the less glamorous stuff behind the scenes. And so I was like, okay, when I create my own brand, when I do my own thing, it's going to be focusing on... The background work and figuring out what it takes to to get there. So how can I convey this image or this message without necessarily having myself be there to explain it? Um, and so for this particular thing, I was like, okay, well, with a rose, everyone is there. They recognize the rose for its beauty, but no one really respects how it got to full maturity. No one clipped it before it bloomed or mm. uh, you know, whether they got to it or whatever the case may have been. So to be able to you know, respect the the stem that gives the rose the nutrients through full maturity and the thorn that protects it from any predators or uh, stuff like that. So once I figured out, like, OK, stem and thorn, it sounds kind of cool. And if I'm being 100 percent honest, I wanted a brand that just had an ampersand in the logo. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, OK, it needs to have two words that just has an and.
0: So let's take it back a little. I think that was a really nice introduction into some of the, all of the things that you do. You're a very busy guy. In fact, you were dubbed Dallas's most hardworking multi-hyphenate. Isn't that right? Right. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So you are from Dallas and you show a lot of love to your city and your area. You're one half of a power couple, right? Your wife is a singer and rapper, I believe.
1: Yes. The lesser half.
0: (laughs) So you guys are a power couple. You have devoted yourself to sort of amplifying Dallas's culture scene. So are you originally from like born and raised Dallas?
1: Yes. South Dallas near Fair Park, yep.
0: And what about the city makes you want to stick around and like strive to elevate it?
1: So it's it's a it's a two-edged sword for me these days. Mm. Um I've built quite a bit here for for myself, so I want to see it through. Uh, but then there's also the the pushback anytime any culture kind of starts creeping up or uh, anybody starts trying to bubble a little bit like just Dallas in general the powers to be whatever it may be I still haven't figured out exactly what it is but
0: oh so there's like a resistance within the systems right. of Dallas like Dallas's infrastructure right that compels you almost in a rebellious way
1: at this point I'm. Kind of, I don't want to say tired of fighting the fight with with the powers that be, but it's, it's, it's a love-hate relationship these days with the city.
0: Is it that constant?
1: For sure. Wow. For sure.
0: That's exhausting. For sure. And I can't imagine the kind of battle that you would have to wage when art isn't considered a priority.
1: Right, and it's it's not that it's not considered a priority because Dallas is one of those places that there's a lot of old money and there's a lot of capital being moved right. and, and switched hands. Uh, it's just it's a pay to play club. There's a mm-hmm. the same thing happening within music, the same thing happening with any level of creativity or culture. Um, there's just always something that's pushing back to kind of prevent certain people from getting certain things.
0: Yeah. Which is such a shame because you bring so much flavor to Dallas through your work. And it is interesting to talk about this, you know, those who aren't seen as fine artists. And, you know, we're talking about this sort of rebellion and swimming upstream, swimming against the current, because your art Mm -hmm. to me very much represents that. It's always making Mm -hmm. a statement and it's bold. Everything I've seen from you feels bold bold and in your face in a way that isn't aggressive you know it's like this is the message this is who I am so let's talk a little bit about your painting so what would you say you're most known for
1: I would say I'm most known for portraiture uh and just like I said just overall realism
0: hmm. And within that subset, of course, are these like phenomenal, large scale paintings of lips with tongues coming out of them. And mm-hmm. they almost look like aliens. Like the tongues are crazy when they're large scale. <laughs> a tongue is a weird thing and you don't notice it until it's massive. Right. How did your paintings of lips evolve over time? So like where did you start? And how did you end up where you are now?
1: So basically, the first lips that I did were for a um, a show that happens here in Dallas every February, where every single piece, no matter who the artist is, what their you know their title says or what their accolades are, every single piece is for fifty dollars. It's basically to be affordable for the consumer, but also it's a donation from the artist to the gallery. Uh, this one gallery here in Dallas, they use the funding from this show to fund paying their bills for the year basically
0: oh wow
1: um, every year it's crazy you know it's freezing cold people are waiting outside sometimes you know it's ice snow and they're waiting outside just to get in the door and you know they run to the piece that they want to be the first one to buy it so they're peeking through the windows oh trying to identify the one they want to purchase and so that was the first one I did and it's it was the first painting to sell at that show.
0: That is so cool. What a cool event all around. What's the name of this event?
1: Uh, it's called For the Love of Kettle. The gallery is called Kettle Gallery. It's in Deep Ellum here in Dallas. That's awesome. Uh, once that one sold, I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this, but maybe it was just, you know, that was the closest one they could get to. So that just happens to be why it sold first. So then-
0: How funny that we like put those little voices of doubt in our head.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it, because being a creative and being, you know, you're, you're creating something from scratch you're doing something that you're trying to guess what people want you're trying to forecast people's taste levels you're doing things that are meaningful to you but also there's a certain point where you're just having to say okay i don't know let's just you know throw something out there and see what sticks
0: right and i don't think people fully understand the level of vulnerability and courage it takes to do that
1: not at all it's definitely one of those things where you know if If it happens once, you're like, "Eh, maybe. But if it happens two or three times, then you're like, okay, there's something here. Right. I tried to figure out, well, how can I make this more interesting? uh, Because I'm one, not going to be able to always use images from the internet and me doing a small quote unquote study of a painting, you know, selling it for $50 or whatever it was at the time. Eventually the photographer that took these photos, if I get big enough, is going to see those and, you know, come with their hand out with their lawyer Mm -hmm. and told like, hey, uh, we we have copyright of that image. We're going to need some, some royalties, buddy. <laughs> so that was another reason why I was like, okay, I need to start shooting these images myself.
0: What were those initial versions of the lips?
1: There always was a sensuality to them. So I think the first ones were maybe a tongue, um, like licking the top lip, maybe, mm. maybe. And then there were red lips with grills, like bottom grills.
0: Why include a grill?
1: I still wanted to incorporate my culture as a, a Black American mm-hmm. um, and just hip hop culture in general. I wanted to be able to include that because I feel like that a lot of times that um, that voice isn't given the, the platform, just in art in general. Uh, it's not really valued the same way. It's getting a little bit better for sure. But when I started this, it wasn't really getting the recognition and the attention that it I think is warranted. Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to include something that kind of harkened back to just like hip hop roots and just, like I said, just being a black American. And so I was like, okay, it's lips, it's pop art. People want that, but I can still throw a little bit of myself into it.
0: So you're really business minded. I mean, everything you've talked about has been really strategic mostly. For sure. So what are you first and foremost, a businessman or an artist?
1: I think in order to be a successful artist that doesn't have a day job, you have to be a CEO yes. like of your own entity. Like it's about putting people in place and delegating certain items.
0: Right. And so do you have a team that helps you?
1: I don't have a team per se. My wife is a superstar, so she helps me with quite a bit of stuff and
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, helping me with bouncing ideas and things that I, you know, I may have something in mind that I want to do. And she's really good about keeping me humble and telling me that's not it. That's not the one. Yeah, go Go back to the drawing board, do it again.
0: It's so important to have somebody like that in your corner. So, you know, in addition to the lips that you paint and that you're so well known for, you do some really spectacular portraits. You do this really incredible thing where you duplicate the face.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How would you describe that for the cultured crew?
1: Um I wanted to figure out how to tell the story of feeling like multiple people at once. Mm. Um so like I said just growing up being half black half white I never really felt like I fit into either side of the family and I was trying to figure out okay if I've always had that feeling since I was a kid I probably can use that within my work. And so I did a couple and after doing the first show and seeing how well it was received and having conversations with people, I realized that it wasn't a mutually exclusive biracial experience. Everyone feels like multiple people at once.
0: Yes,
1: Because that is such a thing that everyone experiences, I was like, OK, I can open this up and make this a lot more broad uh, and not just have to include people that look like me necessarily. I can include anyone. I can make this a multiple I guess multiple dimensioned thing. Mm-hmm. So, again, going back to the business minded side of things, I didn't want to do the traditional sports painting where it's, you know, you see these like sporting goods shops and they're usually rendered really well, but there's no soul behind them. There's no, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's basically just a backdrop for your jersey or a backdrop for an autograph. I wanted to do something that wasn't so, you know, middle of the mall art. Yeah. <laughs> um for sports. So again, if I paint my friends, if I paint people that I know or people that I've come across, there's very few occasions where people want a painting of this random person just in their home. Mm. But when it comes to celebrity and sports culture, you know, people will hang a large photo of Marilyn Monroe in their home or Audrey mm-hmm. Hepburn. We can name people for days, but with that being the case, I was like, okay, well, I know that you know, people would want a Michael Jordan or a LeBron or whoever. So let me just go ahead and paint these just to see, you know, if there's something to that, uh, you know, adding my own little spin to it. So that's where the the sports and athletes came in.
0: This keeps coming up on the show across all these different interviews because it really is something that the split identity or many identities Mm -hmm. is something that I think a lot of people relate to. And it ends up being something that fuels a lot of artists' work. And so there is this constant conversation about how to reconcile like those conflicts, because for whatever reason, our society here in the United States, but also across the world, demands that we be easy to classify, right. easy to categorize, right. easy to label. And when you're not, it flusters people. And that confusion on their part can sometimes turn into aggression, it can turn into isolation, it can translate into a lot of negative experiences right. even traumatic experiences right. um so i think it's really beautiful i didn't i had no idea that those paintings those portraits with these like you know doubled up eyes doubled up mouths or like one face facing to the right and then another face facing to the left or some of the more jarring ones where there's like a face on top of and where like the forehead right. should be <laughs> I had no idea that that was meant to reflect the reconciling of multiple identities. Right. Super cool.
1: Thanks. And with those, I was trying to make it as uncomfortable for the viewer as it feels for me when I'm in those situations. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted it to be something that you couldn't look away from, but you also didn't want to stare directly <laughs> at. Um, I love that. So yeah, that's, that's awesome that that worked. And then as far as the, not easy to be classified. That's absolutely true. Everyone always tries to, they use it as kind of an insult these days, the whole jack of all trades argument. And they always try to, you know, emphasize the latter half of that first half of that quote of, you know, you're jack of all trades, but you're a master of none. Mm. But the rest of that quote is, but oftentimes better than a master of one. But no one ever realizes that. No one ever quotes that part of it.
0: Oh, I never realized that was the rest of it.
1: Yeah. And so anytime somebody tries to do that or they try to downplay, like, you know, you could be a really amazing painter if you just let go of, you know, splitting your attention with photography or cinematography or whatever. I always have to abruptly remind them that just because you can't be great at multiple things doesn't mean I can't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so don't project your limitations onto me.
0: Ooh, I love that. Speaking of greatness, what's up next for you? What are you in the middle of and where do you hope to be soon?
1: I am starting a podcast. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting a podcast uh, as well as some courses of just, you know, teaching people that want to learn to paint. Oh, cool. Uh, as well are they as online photography or- courses. Or- Yes, they'll be online. Uh, I'll also be doing some in person as well. But primarily, the the initial push is going to be online. So I'll be doing that. That's probably the most pressing thing that I'm working on right now, uh, as well as like a YouTube channel.
0: Congratulations. So where can the Cultured crew find out about all of these happenings, all of this goodness that you have coming?
1: Uh, Yeah, I am... On all social media under the same uh, name, just Stem and Thorn, uh, all spelled out, S-T-E-M-A-N-D-T-H-O-R-N. And then, yeah, that's, and then Wifey, if you want to check out her music, is The Sam Lau, uh, T-H-E-S-A-M-L-A-O. Oh, yeah, I also have a website, uh, JeremyBears.com. It houses everything that I do.
0: Thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate your time and you have just left us with so much inspiration.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, it's clear that Jeremy is a hyper creative. If I've ever heard of one, you got to appreciate that kind of drive. I hope you stay that driven until our next journey into the unknown. Keep it classy. Keep it curious. Keep. Get cultured Visit culturedpodcast.com for show notes and subscription links. The Cultured Podcast is a production of my podcast production company, Frequency Media. I'm the host, Michelle Corey. Ina Garkusha is our fabulous producer. Becca Godwin is our wonderful associate producer. Our sound engineers are Cooper Skinner and Dante Hodge, and we're recording at Listen Up Audio in Atlanta, Georgia.